0: Xin chào các bạn, lại là 021 Station chúng mình đây Trong tập này chúng mình sẽ phát sóng buổi phỏng vấn đầu tiên bằng tiếng Anh với Founders Do thời gian hạn hẹp nên chúng mình chưa thể chuẩn bị phụ đề ở trên Youtube để có thể chia sẻ được nội dung với các bạn Nhưng mà trong tương lai thì chúng mình sẽ cố gắng là có thể là phụ đề cho các tập bằng tiếng Anh Nên mọi người hãy thật kiên nhẫn với bọn mình nhé Hãy gặp mọi người trong các tập podcast tiếng Anh và tiếng Việt trong tương lai của 021 Các bạn hãy enjoy buổi podcast ngày hôm nay nhé Bye
1: Entrepreneurship is a very lonely journey, right? It's lonely at the top because uh, you just have the burden, right? Like of, But you have to recognize when you sign up, you're not responsible for only yourself. You're responsible for your 15 team members, right? Or a thousand team members, whatever, right? So it's not about you anymore. You have to let that go. It's never about you. It's about the people.
0: Bạn có biết ngôi trường đại học nào được mệnh danh là nơi đào tạo ra những công dân hoàn hảo nhất cho nước Mỹ và thậm chí là cả thế giới không? Mình đoán là nhiều bạn sẽ nghĩ ngay đến Harvard hay Stanford, nhưng đó không phải là ngôi trường mà mình muốn nhắc tới. Trường đại học mà mình muốn nhắc tới đó chính là West Point, một môi trường mà mỗi năm chỉ tuyển sinh 1.200 hồ sơ nhưng đã rất thành công khi đào tạo và ươm mầm những lãnh đạo tương lai cho thế giới. Và hai, trong số những sinh viên đã tốt nghiệp từ trường đại học này đã đem đến Việt Nam những giá trị tinh hoa học được từ West Point và một đam mê cháy bỏng cho lĩnh vực giáo dục để thành lập nền Point Avenue Công ty Giáo dục Công nghệ vào năm 2018. Ngày hôm nay, mình là Hoa Bùi, founder của 021 Station, sẽ cùng các bạn tìm hiểu xem làm thế nào để sau 3 năm hoạt động, Point Avenue đã có hơn 1.200 học viên, được hơn 2.000 phụ huynh đánh giá và tin tưởng. Học sinh của startup này đã giành được 7,1 triệu đô la học bổng và hỗ trợ tài chính từ các trường đại học trên thế giới trong năm 2019, 2020. Thật sự đây là một thành tích rất đáng nể cho một startup mới thành lập không lâu. Hãy cùng chúng mình gặp gỡ và lắng nghe chia sẻ từ anh Ni Hoang, CEO và co-founder của Point Avenue để hiểu rõ hơn các giá trị và trải nghiệm giáo dục mà startup đang hướng tới nhé.
1: So I was born in Seoul, South Korea. At the age of five, and my older brother, Sam, Samuel, uh, who's a big part of my life even today, we immigrated to America. So we moved to Atlanta, Georgia. At the time, my grandfather on my mom's side was a Presbyterian minister, a pastor, and he uh, moved to America uh, ahead of us to set up a church. And so he invited our entire family, mom, dad, my brother, myself, to the US in 1990.
2: So you moved to America at a pretty young age. What was that transition like?
1: Yeah. So the transition was very, very rough. It was abrupt. One day, my parents looked at us and said, we're moving to America for better opportunity. So typical immigrant story, nothing new there. When we moved to America and grew up in Georgia uh, in the deep South in the 90s, we dealt with a lot of racism, a lot of discrimination. I guess nowadays we hear more about it, but the hate crimes towards Asian Americans, minority groups has always been there. And so uh, I think growing up as a kid in in predominantly all white uh, school, public school, my brother and I struggled sometimes and were afraid sometimes to go to school because we would get bullied. And it was simply based on the fact that our skin color was yellow, was different, and our hair color and and the way we spoke, uh, all of those things was different. And so we struggled, I think, with a sense of identity because at the time, of course, we were Korean. Korean in terms of passport, Korean in terms of our identity, but we were the only two Korean and only two Asian kids in our entire school. I think the time that most kids look forward to is recess. For me, that was my least favorite time because first off, I didn't have any friends. I could only say, hello, goodbye. So I I couldn't really speak English. I, I didn't have like a preparatory course or preparation for living abroad. And I played by myself. And, you know, of course, like every recess time, there were older kids who would come up to me and kick my toys and and say, you know, the usual statement, go back to China. And I would look at them and I'm like, I'm from Korea, right? But of course, they didn't understand that. They probably didn't even know where Korea was on the map.
2: So you decided to go to West Point for college. Was that influenced by your parents at all?
1: So definitely not my parents. Uh, As a matter of fact, when I made the decision to go to West Point, everybody in my family, mom, dad, my brother, opposed And they told me that I should study on the West Coast to another university I had gotten accepted to to be a medical doctor. And they asked Mm -hmm. my brother to be a lawyer. So traditional Asian family and values, uh, they didn't want us to take unnecessary risk. And joining the military, of Mm -hmm. course, would mean that I would be putting myself in harm's way. And they would remind me that we didn't immigrate to America for me to do so. Uh, In Korea, there's mandatory service, about two years for all males, Uh, But in America, of course, it's, it's a volunteer service. And Mm -hmm. I made the decision to go to West Point because I was part of what they call the 9-11 class. So I was a senior grade 12 student during September 11th, 2001, when uh, the terrorist attack on the World Trade Center happened. And in that moment of pure chaos and terror, uh, I made the decision among, of course, thousands of others uh, to serve my country. So I made the decision myself to go to West and. never look back. And so I was 17. I was 17 when I started my journey in college. I had to grow up really fast.
2: What you just described is, to be honest, a little bit beyond my imagination, because I have never been through such experience. And your path to college and post-graduation is different from the majority of people, I would say. So can you help us understand a little bit better about what you did there? And was there some sort of inspiration that kept you going at the moment?
1: I was 21 when I graduated college, and uh, I remember when President George W. Bush came to our graduation, and he gave our commencement address, so the graduation speech. And towards some part in the speech, he gave a thank you to each and every one of my classmates as we were graduating that day. And he said, Mm -hmm. I wanna thank each and every one of you because all of you will be serving our country. At the time, of course, in 2006, we are deployed in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other parts of the world serving. Uh, but not all of you uh, may make it back, which is in fact true, right? Over the past uh, 10 to 12 years now, I have lost a handful of my classmates who paid the ultimate sacrifice, uh, what we call killed in action, uh, from serving their country. And you know, those individuals, men and women, are the true heroes. Uh, I would say I was definitely one of the lucky ones who made it from multiple combat deployments. Uh, and I'm here healthy, happy, and able to talk to all of you here. Uh, I would say I would say that it was a very, very dark, challenging time in my life, in my 20s, losing my best friend, uh, soldiers that I served with on the battlefield, and uh, even burying your best friend uh, and burying those that you served with and going through uh, that emotional roller coaster also helps you stay grounded and reminds you to be grateful. I think every morning I wake up, I focus on really the simplest things to be grateful for: having a soft pillow to put my head down on every night, uh, waking up for a drink of water, and having air condition and uh, uh, healthy healthy lungs to breathe. So yeah, I think uh, a lot of times these types of challenges helps you stay grounded and gives you a perspective to uh, stay positive. Optimism is always, has always been a big part of my life. And uh, I think if I share any message with the audience, it's always to believe in yourself and to remain optimistic that there is light in darkness and eventually you'll make it out of that dark tunnel. And, and so I did. So I spent six years in the US Army, serving my country. Uh, I was a captain in the army when I transitioned out, and I was able to transition out because of my older brother. I know this podcast isn't about him, but it's hard to share my story without talking about my brother. Um, But he gave me an opportunity to transition out of the army and join him in entrepreneurship and education. He took a very different path than I did. My brother went to MIT. He knew he wanted to go to MIT at the age of six. There's an interesting story about that, right? But uh, for today's podcast, we'll just focus on, I guess, mostly my stories. So he went to MIT, did his undergrad and master's. He studied many things, materials science, mechanical engineering, and biotech. And my brother made a macro bet on China because when he was at MIT, of course, some of the smartest students there were Indian American, Chinese American, you know, these kids who are similar to us, immigrants, uh, second generation, if you will, because the parents are born in their home country, and then the children were either born... In America or they immigrated at a young age and so uh, when he asked his friends and said hey are you guys planning to move back to your home country to find work there they would all say no like why would I go back to India and China it's a third-world country I'm happy living in America I want to work on Wall Street I want to go work for the big four Uh, so my brother thought about that he did the calculation mental calculation in his head and he said well the smartest kids are not going back so surely the competition must not be as steep Uh, The opportunity is now, I will go. And against my father's wishes, my brother packed his bags with uh, some cash in his pocket that he had saved up Mm -hmm. and moved to Shanghai, China in 2009. I always remind people that we are the sum of our life's experiences. So the more you experience and endure, then the more you can overcome. Uh, Oftentimes when we are faced with uh, obstacles, something that stands in our way, we tend to lean on our previous experiences to to problem solve, to find a way around through, uh, to overcome that adversity. So uh, I think the main message here is at a young age, embrace adversity. Uh, Most people run from it. Naturally, we have a fight or flight response. Uh, I think, of course, as part of parenting, you want to expose your kids to as much hardship and adversity as possible in a safe, generally safe environment, and then uh, as you grow from those experiences, you become you become stronger, not just physically, but I think more important than physically is uh, mental strength. So, of course, all of those experiences as a kid helped me prepare for the challenges at West Point, And the challenges at West Point helped me prepare for those challenges on the battlefields in Iraq. And now the same types of challenges uh, in a different industry, different country in Vietnam and entrepreneurship.
2: So you got out of the army. moved to China. In that moment, what made you feel like this was the right thing to do and that was the right decision to go for? Uh,
1: So my brother moved to Shanghai, China, started an education technology company. Uh, This was on the tail end of the education technology boom in China, which was in 2000 and 2010. So he entered Mm -hmm. into the market quite late in 2009 built a uh, rule-based algorithm, a tech product that focused on all multiple choice question examinations, which is a huge market in China. We're talking SAT, ACT, TOEFL, IELTS, SSAT, and and more, and built this company called New Pathway, Education and Technology Group. I joined about uh, two years into operation. So I joined in 2011 at the beginning. Uh, We Mm -hmm. raised Series A funding, and then within exactly five years from inception, We uh, were fortunate enough to sell our company to CVC Capital Partners, which is one of the largest private equity groups. Uh, So that happened in 2014. I was 30, my brother was 31, and that was our first exit. And we were able to do that together as brothers. Uh, So it's been an incredible journey.
2: Wow. Yeah. So you moved to China and you spent a couple of years there working with your brother side by side and you have always been in the education space, right? So at what point did you feel like, okay, I'm gonna move on, I'm gonna move down to Vietnam and how was that decision made?
1: Yeah, so uh, I get that question a lot actually. (laughs) Uh, So 2014, uh, just to review some history, my brother and I exited our first company. And then in 2016, we had our second exit because CVC Capital Partners sold our combined company into a local private equity group called NLD Investors. So that was in 2016. Um, After we exited in 2014, we had a two year lockup period. So naturally we stayed on with the company. Uh, And then in 2016, my brother moved to Seoul, South Korea, where he currently manages our family office. So instead of having other people manage our own money, My brother figured that, hey, we can do it better than others. So we'll set up our own office. It's a combination of a venture capital, early stage investment, and later stage investment, private equity investments. And our company is called NPX Capital. In keeping with our first company, which is New Pathway, NP, Education and Technology Group, the X is a variable, right? Because in any new market, any new industry, we always have to be adaptable and agile. So that's where it comes from. And that's where he currently focuses a lot of his... Uh, activity primarily the investments are focused on education and biotech Uh, but of course we're always interested in meeting with young entrepreneurs and early startup companies and very soon and this is some new news so congratulations you guys get it first we'll be launching an MPX venture fund vietnam focused to back vietnamese Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs Um, so uh, yeah i guess that was in 2016 and for me uh, i stayed on with a company in 2017 for another year and of course, you know, after your first exit, you have some room to breathe. Prior to that, you're constantly keeping your head down. Like I said, hard work is is an essential ingredient, so you don't really have time to think and I started thinking about what's next. Well, uh, I had made the conclusion that education, education technology would be something that I would commit the rest of my life to because just like healthcare, biotech, anything in the healthcare industry, education, those two industries I feel like are great Great industries in terms of adding value back to society, and yeah. so I I continue to look at the education space. And naturally, when you look at the macro, you look at the opportunities, the amount that families are willing to invest, uh, yeah. and of course, you know GDP per growth, uh, GDP growth in terms of Vietnam compared to other Southeast Asian countries. Vietnam just made a whole lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. So I did my first trip to Vietnam in two thousand seventeen. Maybe every few months, I would come down to Vietnam. I went to Hanoi, I went to Ho Chi Minh, those primary cities, and made the decision in 2018 in June to start a new venture called uh, NPX, so the same NPX, Point Avenue. So this company started in June of 2018, and we're an education technology company focused on the K-12 sector, so kindergarten through 12th grade. Uh, To date, we have been in operation for the past three years.
2: Wow, so it has been three years. Congratulations, teams. I do follow up with a lot of posts and news that you guys have on social media. And I know that you guys have done a lot for the past three years, gaining a lot of reputation and awards for the innovations um, that you guys have done in Vietnam. So, you know, education is big and there's so many competitors in the market. So how are you guys differentiating yourself and what kind of services or classes are you guys providing?
1: So within Point Avenue, we have three main pillars to our business. We have Point Avenue, which is an after-school education center focused on delivering character values, high-quality educational outcomes for students, as young as kindergarten to 12th grade. So we offer courses such as English language arts. We offer academic and creative writing, competition debate, test preparation from SAT to TOEFL and IELTS among other subjects and admissions consulting, which is helping students who have the desire to study abroad. So this is a comprehensive one-stop solution for students and families uh, who are looking for high quality education. At current stage, we have two learning centers in Hanoi. We have one in Goze and one in Bien, And we have two learning centers in Ho Chi Minh City in Districts two and seven. And then we have one learning center in Bangkok, Thailand in Gateway Ekamai, which is off the Ekamai BTS uh, stop. It's like the air train. So this is where I am currently uh, doing this interview. So we have five learning centers that we built across yeah. the past three years. And we also have a technology team, so so that's our second pillar. We have our own technology team uh, that builds our tech products. Uh, This team is called Athena, and that's based in Korea. My brother, Sam, he is our group CTO, I'm the CEO. And we have such products as the learning management system, content management system, virtual classroom. Uh, This whole online product is called the Classroom as a Service. Uh, so uh, we have this tech product that we use for our current centers and, and operations, and then we'll be scaling this out to other industries and markets um, within within the education sector. So um, other customers within the education sector. And then the third pillar we have is K-12 schools. So we're also in the business of building schools. And it's not just any school, but it's a private bilingual school. And this kind of goes to my thesis of uh, why bilingual education is important. And I'm happy to elaborate on that. So this business yeah. is called True North School. So Point mm-hmm. Avenue, Athena, and True North School. Uh, these mm-hmm. names are quite important. Uh, and, and there's a reason for why we have these names. I'm happy to also explain that to you if you guys want yeah, to Yeah,
2: please, please. Okay. I'd love to know. So, <laughs> so what are these three different names?
1: Point Avenue yeah. is West Point, And then Massachusetts Avenue, which is the road where Cambridge, uh, Harvard, MIT are at. One day, my brother and I were having breakfast in his in his place in Solar. And we said, hey, we got to come up with a good name. So I came up with Point. He came up with Avenue. And there you go, Point Avenue. If you look at our logo, which I can show you here, uh, we have a compass. The compass is a rose compass. Yep, there you go. Yan's wearing a Point Avenue shirt. <laughs> Brand ambassador there. So the compass points true north as our character should always be. Uh, something that that nobody should be able to change, right? Like you always need to make sure that um, Character is something that's non-negotiable when you're looking at hiring people, right? You look for people with good character uh, People who don't lie cheat steal Right? people are generally good um, so point Avenue, Athena comes from the uh, uh, Crest at West Point the crest is the crest of Athena and Athena is the goddess of wisdom and goddess of war so wisdom education. Uh, that's where it comes from uh, and then True North School uh, comes from uh, True North, right? Like we need to always, we want our students to graduate from our K-12 schools to be good men and women of character. More important mm-hmm. than just academic rigor, it's yeah. character, right? And so our motto for our school is called Discover Your True North.
2: Wow, that was a really good answer. So I heard you mention character for quite a bit. So what is character and what does that mean?
1: Absolutely. So... To be a person with good character means that you're always going to do the right thing, especially when the going gets tough. You can't take shortcuts, right? So, you know, specifically to entrepreneurship, it's very easy to take some shortcuts when it comes to your financials, right? The lack of financial transparency are some of the challenges that you see often in early stage companies, especially in developing markets. Uh, Serious investors do not touch companies that do not have clear and good financials as part of the due diligence process. Uh, So in everything you do, uh, it's very important that you always do things, even if it's harder, even if it takes longer, you do things the right way. Uh, That kind of good character also means how you treat others, right? You can't be two-faced. You don't want to be someone uh, who is a certain way at the workplace and then someone who's completely different behind the scenes, right? You get what you see 24 seven. So as an educator myself, Uh, I actually don't smoke. I've never smoked. Uh, I don't drink excessively for sure. Occasionally I'll have a nice glass of wine with my wife and some good friends. Uh, And I really don't have any vices. And it's not like me sitting here saying I'm an amazing person, but I choose not to smoke and drink and not to have these vices because I'm always talking to students and mentoring students. So if I look at them and say, hey, you shouldn't be vaping. You shouldn't be doing drugs. I've never done drugs. Right. And I don't do that myself and lead by my own example. How can I say and preach about character? Uh, Character is doing uh, making the harder right over the easier wrong. So, you know, there's so many definitions of character. But I think essentially it's like without thinking you can make the right decision. And of course, the more right decisions you make, then the more right decisions you can continue to make, because that's like a conscious choice we make every single day when we wake up. Right? So uh, I think these are things we need to learn and reinforce in children at a young age uh, so that when they leave their comfortable sheltered lives right? uh, from mom and dad, and they're actually on their own, having to pay their own bills for the first time and getting their paycheck and having real yeah. responsibilities, when all of this stress and pressure comes, you need to do the right thing, right? And so character, and so you know, to that point, I tie character in with hardship. Because a lot of times people say that hardship builds character, and and I do believe that right at a young age, the more hard experiences you have, challenges, suffering you have, uh, your each time it's like it's like when I when I break a glass cup, uh, I have to put it back together. There's gonna be lines there, but those lines build character, right? Like the scars we have, those are all memories we have and uh, hardships that we've endured, and so I believe in all of these experiences. Not only does it build character, but actually. Hardship reveals one's true character.
2: Hmm, I really like your answer. I think... Um, so actually in Vietnam, we have this proverb saying that you should be a good person. You should have good characters before you learn how to, you know, um, learn anything else. Before you learn business. Before you learn literatures. And before you learn how to be a good talent. And I think it, it is really... Um, it ties back with what you just say. So I think I really appreciate what you just shared with us. Um, and, you know, from my observation, I see that you have been in West Point. You have been in the K-12 American education. You have been working in the Vietnamese education space. So... West Point is different from a regular college experience and the K-12, the American K-12 is different from the Vietnamese one. So how are you bringing all these experiences into building your curriculum at Point Avenue and helping the student have the most holistic um, education experience there?
1: America does have a very strong sports culture right so growing up in america you have to know a little bit about the nfl nba nhl right you know all these professional sports mlb Uh, i would say that a lot of these experiences in terms of the importance of physical fitness were shaped as a child because my parents like all asian parents enrolled us in every single class you can possibly imagine we did Mm -hmm. swim class we did soccer what we call football taekwondo which is like martial arts Mm -hmm. we did every single sport you can imagine and just growing up we are always playing sports. And maybe part of it was because we were super rowdy. My brother and I used to fight and argue and make trouble all the time, break things in the house. So my mom would always kick us out and, and make us play outside. Uh, at West Point, physical fitness is one of the four pillars of excellence. You can't lead soldiers on the battlefield if you're overweight and unfit. Right? Nobody's going to respect you if, if you can't carry your own weight and also lead from the front. Yeah. And so I still live with the same kind of mindset uh, mm-hmm. this morning, right? I woke up at 5.30. I wake up every morning at 5.30. I ran 10 kilometers outside. You know, I have this app that I use called Strava. We started a, a fitness challenge. My brother actually just started this with our team members uh, in, in Korea. So there's about 10 team members here and it's called yeah. like 50 kilometers in 30 days. So yeah. today's day three and I've logged 33 kilometers. So, you know, I think I'll, I'll get that 50 kilometers soon, but it's like this kind of mindset that we have, right? Like yeah. uh, I want to challenge our team members to be physically fit because being physically fit means you're mentally strong. To wake up early in the morning before everybody else does, to go out there mm-hmm. when you just want to get that extra bit of sleep in before the sun rises and to <laughs> put yourself time and time again through hardship uh, and then to be better about it, right? So for me, if I don't exercise, I feel groggy and tired. And I can't think as clearly. Exercise has become such an integral part of my life. And I want others, whether it's team members, students I mentor, uh, families I talk to, to always ensure that physical fitness needs to be an integral part of your lives.
2: I think this is the first time that we ever talk to someone on the podcast who brings fitness into the work culture, unless it's a, it is a fitness business, you know? But you are in education and you encourage everyone to work out. And I do know you guys have a gym in your office, which is really interesting. So how do you meet these individuals who appreciate the culture that you're building and add up to um, the culture and be a part of it? How do you find this team and how do you build a culture like that in the education space in Vietnam?
1: Yeah, so uh, any company I think that you build is never about you or one person. Uh, It's always about the team. And uh, even when we started this journey, I invited a group of uh, close friends from the military, uh, individuals that I had served with to start this venture together in Hanoi. And so we have a group of uh, educators, individuals who have just a lot of expertise and experience specifically in Vietnam, a group of Vietnamese educators, also a group of international educators, so those who have studied in the States, in Canada, in different regions around the world, and have extensive experience mentoring, teaching, curriculum building in Asia for Asian students. And then we also have individuals, uh, as I've mentioned, uh, one of our co-founders, his name is Tommy, his uh, Vietnamese name is Gong, I probably didn't pronounce that correctly, but uh, Tommy Nguyen, and I've known him since we met at West Point. Uh, He's one year younger than me. Uh, He's our uh, co-founder and COO. So uh, as the group level CEO, he's the COO. And then my older brother, Sam, is our CTO. Uh, We also have a chief strategy officer. Uh, Her name is Trang, and she has over 12 years of professional experience working at Deloitte Vietnam. And we also have a director, his name is Blake. Um, But of course, those are just some names I'm, I'm sharing with you. We have a group of some incredibly passionate, hardworking, loyal, Uh, talented group of educators and entrepreneurs uh, within our team spread out across Hanoi, Ho Chi Minh. We even have team members in Singapore, that's where our headquarters is, in Bangkok and Seoul, South Korea. So five cities, uh, four countries.
2: Yeah, so correct me if I'm wrong, but is the headquarter in Singapore?
1: That's right. So our holdings company, our top company, the holdings company is registered in Singapore. And the reason, you know, some advice, I guess for entrepreneurs is first off, we're a 100% foreign direct investment company. And so it's important that we structure the company in, in the right way. And uh, I intentionally decided to structure our company in Singapore because our focus is not only in Vietnam, our focus is across Southeast Asia and to be a serious contender in the education technology space. So now we've expanded to Thailand and surely in the coming years, we'll continue to expand across other regions in Southeast Asia.
2: Is there a reason why you decided to base the company in Singapore?
1: Absolutely. I think uh, if you're a startup company and you want to attract capital, you want to attract the right investors. uh, Investors are willing to invest into a Singapore company much more so than specific developing regions, right? Singapore also has very, very favorable tax conditions uh, and, and legal structuring conditions for companies. So there is no such thing as capital gains tax in Singapore. And hence, Singapore is the financial capital of Southeast Asia.
0: Wow,
2: what a vision. I love that. So you guys have been working at Point Avenue for the past three years. So you built the foundation and then you expanded Point Avenue. And I imagine that you are the CEO and you have such a busy schedule and you have your professional life and your personal life as well. So do you have any advice for the potential entrepreneurs out there on how they can put themselves in the best positions to be busy with work and to balance their lives and to be able to make the best decisions in business and personal lives.
1: Yes. So even though I'm an endurance athlete, right, I do the Ironman marathons, I'm actually training for the Kanta marathon that's coming on 5 December. So not just myself, but I've challenged there's a group of about 12 of us in our company who are all training training begins on the 5th of July. Uh, I think what's important is, is we got to always think with a long perspective, right? Like life's a marathon, not a sprint. And so yeah. if you work constantly 24 seven, and it's work, 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 you find no rest. Actually, you can't make right decisions and the best decisions. If you come into work exhausted mentally, physically, Mm -hmm. and you're required to make important strategic decisions for your company, you're not going to, right? So I think a lot of the decisions you make, it needs to happen earlier in the morning when you're less tired, when you can think clearly, but the early morning needs to begin with uh, exercise and some type of physical routine, right? So that you're just really ready to go. Um, But I also think that a lot of people say, hey, work-life balance, right? 40-hour work week and all of those things. Um, I never, like, put a number on these things, right? I always explain to people that it's work-life harmony, as in if things are going well at home, right? Like, you're happy uh, with your family, your marriage, your your personal life, and and that's a conscious choice, once again, that you make, an effort. You have to make effort, right? Put in effort. Um, And you're also going to bring that happiness to the workplace and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And it's not two competing ideas, work life, but they work together like yin and yang, right? It's, it's in yeah. harmony. And when those things are flowing and working together, then that's yeah. where you can find, uh, that, that magical, you know, um, uh, balance, I guess, but that, that's where you can find, I, I can't use the word balance, right? Cause it's not work-life balance, but that's where I think you find happiness, uh, in, in your workplace and also in your personal life.
0: Mm, I love
2: that answer. And I like how you mentioned harmony in the workplace because it is not an easy task to do because you work together and there's a lot of pressure and sometimes you can step on someone's nerves. And I think it is really about emotional management and the team culture that can enforce the peace and the harmony in the place, right? And you mentioned peace as well, which I find really interesting. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you implement peace in a workplace at Point Avenue?
1: Sure, so peace is not a constant, right? Peace is the end state we hope to achieve as a result of differences, confrontation, arguments. Arguments, confrontation, differences in opinion are incredibly healthy. But when you make a decision as an organization, as a team, you leave that room united in peace, right? Mm -hmm. And, And so that's what that represents. You need to work towards that together and it's a mindset we need to have so you know, you never want to hold grudges. It's really important. That also goes back to peace. It's like yeah. an active mindset we have, right? You don't want to look down on people. You don't want to make judgment on people. You want to always come from a position of empathy. It also doesn't mean that you're not hard on your team members. You can hold them to the highest standard. You can give them very clear key performance indicators, KPIs, performance metrics, Right? Always try your best to be objective, but there are certain times where you have to be subjective. You have to think from your heart and not your head. So it's not a, a one way, one way street or one sided way or one type of solution. There's there's many times where you have to be adaptable, right? You know, interesting, right? A lot of times people ask me, they say, Danny, what's your leadership style? Right? So when I was young, yeah, I would yeah, so so when I was young, I, I would try to emulate. Uh, whether it was military leaders or business leaders who who I have a great deal of respect for, uh, but now over the years I've learned that it's it's not so much about my leadership style, right? There isn't one style, but it's I have to as a leader. If anything, I have to be the most selfless. Uh, entrepreneurship is a very lonely journey. As a matter of fact, it is, right? I don't bring my complaints and concerns and worries to my team members, nor do I project, right, that stress to others. I have to keep it contained within and and, and do a lot of problem solving up here uh, with myself. So my leadership style is one that is incredibly adaptable and agile based on those around me. So a certain style works for this person may not work for that person, so I have to adjust. I have to be selfless and change so that I can lead our team. And that's, in my opinion, the best leadership style. When you are willing to humble yourself, when you are willing to change your styles so that you can better support and cater to the people around you Uh, and and once again it has to come from that kind of mindset of humility right of selflessness uh, and in doing so people follow you in doing so people trust you and respect you and you share that trust and respect uh, of course you return that
2: it is such a refreshing answer and i don't think i get to talk about what peace even means in our in my daily life so I really appreciate your answer and I think it's so refreshing and I know that having fun at work is such a new concept in our era but it is so important for the newer generations to have fun and have meanings at work I'm in um, Gen Z so for me having a work culture a good work culture is one of the deciding factors for me to choose a place to work for. So I think I want to go into work having fun and being in peace with my co-workers at the same time, you know, being productive. So I think that is so important that you described peace and what you are doing at Point Avenue. And I think it's so inspiring to hear. And in your case, I know it's a little bit different because you are working with your brother and it is not an easy task to do. It can get challenging at times. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's like working with your brother and how do you overcome the difficulties of being siblings but at, at the same time partners?
1: Yeah. So I think working for your brother or with your sibling or family member is incredibly challenging, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, because your family and uh, sometimes, you know, it's really hard to, to break the mindset of your family first uh, before your professionals. Uh, but at the workplace, you have to be constantly and always professionals first, right? Uh, and so I think working with my brother over the past, what, nearly 12 years has really helped shape my perspective what, what is true brotherhood, right? Like very few siblings are able to work together and still maintain a very healthy uh, relationship as siblings. And we were able to figure out how to do that. Um, a lot of that comes with sacrifice. A lot of that comes with compromise. A lot of that comes with humility, you know, those things that I mentioned. Uh, so I, I think you know, I remember uh, those differences and hardships and challenges we faced, but I remember them with a very grateful heart, right? It is because of those cracks and those differences that we have become stronger together. Uh, the journey, the hardships, when we, when, when, you know, times are incredibly, incredibly hard, right? And, and how we supported each other during those times, rather than pointing fingers and pointing blame, we problem solved together and supported each other is what brings you closer together. So for the people out there who are looking to work with their spouses or their siblings, you know, family members, recognize it's a, it's a very tough, tough journey. Um, not everybody can do it, but if you can find that balance, if you can find a way to do that, then I think it definitely brings you closer together.
0: Yeah, it seems
2: to me that you have a pretty calm energy. Do you ever get angry or something?
1: Yeah, so uh, now I haven't really talked about my wife. I guess this is the right opportunity to do so. Uh, I met my wife, her name is Honda. So Honda's quick background, right? I, I, can't, I can't do a podcast or interview without talking about my wife. So quick background about her. She's Chinese ethnically, but grew up in Bangkok, Thailand. So uh, what's interesting is, is right now she's pregnant so we're 28 weeks pregnant. Now the whole world's gonna know. Um, but she does social media, so I guess there are a lot of people who follow her. Um, and so we'll be, we'll be parents soon. <clears throat> uh, we'll be parents of twin boys who will be delivered this September. Yeah, well, we're, we're pregnant. So like super excited about that. Um, super blessed, right? This all goes back to the peace, gratitude, optimism, You know that, that whole spiel. So uh, my wife was educated in Bangkok. She went to international schools there and then she studied abroad in the UK, uh, went to Nottingham, Cambridge, uh, found her way in education, and then we met in 2014. So 2014 was a special year, right? I turned 30 years old uh, entered into the 30s category, far for you guys, all of you guys. Uh, I exited my first company with my brother and I met my wife. At the time, she was 24. Six so years. yeah, six years apart there, right? Um, yeah. So we met then. And you, know, you asked the question, does anything get you angry? If anyone taught me to be kind and calm and patient and understanding is my wife right like the, the man I was six years ago before we met and the man I am today like i'm a I'm a softie now you know like I maybe I shouldn't share this but I cry uh, when we watch you know like these like these movies and things you know and and I tear up I tear up you know when she when she you know says certain things and so you know she, she's definitely made me. Uh, the much better version of me And, and you know, maybe, maybe I can explain a bit about that Because, you know, growing up, my brother and I were We, we went through a lot of hardship, right Come from uh, humble beginnings growing up in Atlanta, Georgia So, so we had to always like, kind of put on a front Like we're tough, right And then, and then I go into the military Where military, you can't cry, right Like grown men don't cry in the military is what they say um, and, and so then yeah, part of it was like I had to kind of like hide those emotions, right And, and in, in Asia, like I don't remember a time when my father cried growing up but now my father's old and he cries all the time you know well maybe not all the time but he's, he's much more <laughs> yeah, so like
2: you know he's like all the tears
1: for now yeah exactly right so so i think there was always this part of me where where you know i wanted to be more empathetic i i, I really wanted to just express more of my emotions and that would be all okay and my yeah. wife really allowed me and coached me like she taught me she taught me to do that uh, so yeah, uh, you know, there are there things that get me upset, you know, give me like an emotional rise in those things? There are, and then I just think about my wife. I can't remember a time since we've been together the past six years when she just lost it. Like just lost her cool, you know, just, just went just emotional on this like rampage. Never once, she is like the most calm, like zen, peaceful spirit I've ever met. And so I just think about my wife. I think about her face, right? I think about her demeanor when I'm about to lose it. And I'm like, Phew. Chill out, man, cool down, right? And, and, then, and then like everything will be all okay. So yeah, even, even, you know, I guess the message here is, is you always have to be a student, right? Like there is no point in your life where you're not learning and you're not, you're not a student, right? Like you have to be willing to learn from others. It doesn't matter if they're younger than you, if they have different experiences than you, surely there's something that you can gain and learn. And of course, as a result of doing that, you wanna share that message, right? You wanna share those lessons learned with others too
2: danny i really appreciate your answer um, looking at you i'm hearing your answer i can see you smiling i know that you are grateful um, for the memories and for the work that you you and your team members did together and i think it is so beautiful to look at that um yeah so my next question will be about your first days at point avenue how did you get your first clients in vietnam
1: Um, You know, when you do your market research, there's a lot of different ways, right? A lot of times you read like the professional market reports that are conducted by McKinsey Deloitte. So of course, like you do that, right? But at least for education, the best way to conduct market research is you talk to your customers. Our customers are our parents, like the parents who have children in K-12 who are looking for better educational opportunities for their children. And so coming into Vietnam, we started conducting private seminars and workshops where we were just, it's like free information sharing, right? Uh, Knowledge should be free, right? It should be shared. And so, you know, we didn't charge families money for sharing our knowledge. Instead, it was like, we wanted to create this platform where we wanted to share about our lessons learned and our experiences. Um, Of course, having a track record, uh, building education companies and, and, you know, building a good reputation around that was important, right? It wasn't like we just came into Vietnam first time Uh, with no background in education. So that China story was definitely a part of our success as we transitioned to Vietnam. And we chose Hanoi instead of Ho Chi Minh City because Hanoi is the capital, right? Like uh, understand that a lot of foreign companies and a lot of entrepreneurs and the financial hub and all of that is in Ho Chi Minh City. And we don't ignore the opportunities there. Hence, you know, over the years, we've expanded to Ho Chi Minh City. Uh, But I think it's important when you build a brand, when you build an education brand for that, that you start at the heart of the country. Uh, We think that Hanoi families, of course, as they have less options, right? They are less familiar, especially with premium and...
2: Wow. Hearing this story makes me smile because I am so proud of all the mothers who are working really hard, who are taking care of their children and making sure that the kids have the best possible education and everything else in their lives and I think it is so like so beautiful to hear and I'm particularly proud of Vietnamese mother um, because I know how hard Vietnamese mothers work and care for the child. So yeah, thank you Danny for the story. Thank you, thank you. I, I really I think it was so well put and yeah it, it really makes me happy. <laughs> um, so I guess my next question will be, about you as an entrepreneur and i wonder for the past three years and plus right even um, back in the day when you were in china were there any moments when you felt lonely and you wanted to give up
1: so first part entrepreneurship is a very lonely journey right it's lonely at the top because Uh, you just have the burden, right? Like of, but you have to recognize when you sign up and and what you can understand, right? When you sign up to be the founder and the CEO, you're not responsible for only yourself. You're responsible for your 15 team members, right? Or a thousand team members, whatever, right? So it's not about you anymore. You have to let that go. It's never about you. It's about the people. And uh, what's really interesting is, is when I used to work with my brother, right he would often tell me and I would say hey man like what's wrong like why are you so stressed today or hey like you're having a bad day what's going on bro right uh, i call him hyung actually hyung means older brother in korean and then he would say one day you will understand when you're in my shoes but until then you'll never really know right and and then i would be like come on man i understand you know like you know as a younger brother i'm like yeah i understand what you're going through i'm also going through the same thing and it wasn't until i was in his shoes as ceo as founder that i now understand and so now there's also another kind of layer of respect and bonding between the two of us because now we've worn the same shoes. Uh, yeah. I think that the second part of the question, which is, yeah, I mean, of course, right? Like if I were to tell you that, that you know, all I think is positive, 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 that's a lie, right? Surely I have self-doubt. Surely there's some dark times, you know? Surely I'm like, man, this sucks, right? Or, man, this this is just not working. You know, there are moments like this, absolutely. But as soon as that negativity creeps up in your brain, you got to kill it. You know, like if there's a cockroach going by in your house, there's a lot of cockroaches in Vietnam. You just got to kill it. You know, like you, you got to kill that negativity instantly as it creeps up. Otherwise, it's just going to eat away at you. It's going to consume you and it's going to prevent you from doing what you need to do, right? Which is not about building success and... Uh, you know becoming a famous entrepreneur but it's about taking care of your people right like I don't have the choice actually to say I will quit because if I do what about all the people right like are they gonna quit you know are they gonna quit? They're not right so so I just think like that's that's the burden of responsibility of, of leadership right that you take on but you gotta be ready for that. And most of the time you're not right because first time CEOs, first time entrepreneurs you're not ready for it. And remember, you don't have to face these challenges alone. Right? It's incredibly important that you surround yourself with mentors. So what are mentors? Mentors are individuals who share their life experiences, unlike teachers who just share knowledge. And so generally, you want to find mentors who have more life experience than you do in a specific subject or field. They don't necessarily have to be older, right? And let me tell you, these people bring so much clarity and perspective that you need to hear. Right. And and a lot of times the mentors may not be directly like, let's say, an investor or vested into what you're doing, but they are more so than just financially. Right. They care about you as a person, which I think is much more important than a financial metric. So no matter who you are and where you are in your life, and it's not just for CEOs and entrepreneurs, but if you're going to go on a lonely journey of entrepreneurship, you surely need to surround yourself with mentors. Right. It doesn't have to be 20 of these people. Right. You don't have a lot of time. So my recommendation is have like one to two, maybe maximum three people that you lean on, these pillars that you lean on when times get tough, when you can't cry to nobody, right? You can't cry to your parents, you can't cry to your wife, right? To your kids, to your team members. You lean on these people and you say, hey, I need some help, right? Or hey, like, I'm just gonna unleash, I'm just gonna unpack everything, just just hear me out. All you have to do is listen, let me just do it, right? So yes, this is important. For me, I have those mentors. I've always had mentors. Uh, yeah. And it is because of these mentors, uh, I, am, I am who I am today, a big part of it, right? So that's, that's an important message for all here.
2: Absolutely. I completely agree with you. I think it is so important to have mentors, not only in school, but also in work and personal lives and so many aspects. I think mentorship... Helped me advance faster and reach my goal faster as well. And it's always really nice to have a third party perspective on how things work. And definitely, my mentors have helped me gain my navigation. So, I do know that you mentor a lot of people as well. So, what kind of characters do you often look for? For from your mentee? Are you looking for someone who's authentic? Are you looking for someone who's driven? What are you looking for?
1: Everything you just said, right? Like, you know, traditional definition of a man in an Asian household is like, you have to be emotionless, right? Like Mm -hmm. you have to be strong, you know, you have to, you have to be stronger than everybody around you is, is what you're taught. But to be able to express your emotion, effectively and well is masculinity, right? It's like what it means to be human, you know? So, so like these traditional definitions need to be broken. And I think, you know, in terms of mentors, first and foremost, you need, to, you need to seek, like actively seek for these mentors, right? Very rarely will somebody just come to you and be like, hey, I like you so much, let me be your mentor. It doesn't work like that, right? Uh, because because they, they're living their life. So you need to find those people now, for, for whatever reason, right, that you want to use to justify, I respect and trust this person's opinion, right? Whatever reason that may be, right? Then you go to them and you spend time with them and you need to be vulnerable. Yes, as you said, right? You need to come from a very humble perspective and you need to also like just be willing to listen and learn from them. And you need to build that like authentic relationship, right? You can't just call them when you need something, right? That's transactional. And so you need to know about their story as well, right? They may not need so much from you, but recognize like for me now, I uh, draw so much energy from helping others. That that like makes me feel so good, you know? So mentoring youth, mentoring younger people, like young professionals, entrepreneurs who are just like, hey, Danny, you know, I need some help, right? I need some advice. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah let me do it, you know? Um, and I may not have all the answers, but the fact that I can, provide some perspective and insight and advice based on once again my life experiences. It's like it's like the greatest kind of form of, of you know service that we can offer to others and this idea of pay it forward. So I not only and I mentored but I also spend a lot of my time mentoring current team members as well as those uh, who are outside of our company uh, because I think that's important. So yeah, it's, it's like this this kind of life you live, right? You, if you live a good life, then you attract good people, right? And if you attract good people, then you can build a great company. And, you know, it's like, this is how it works, right?
2: Wow, that is so amazing. And um, thank you, Danny, for the thoughts and thank you for being so honest and authentic with your ideas and being so open. From the perspective of being a female, I think it is really important to balance between the masculine and the feminine energy, whether it is in the workplace, whether it is in the family and in your relationships with people as well. So thank you. I think it is beautiful. It's so well spoken. So my next question will be about your vision and the future with Point Avenue. What do you have planned for Point Avenue in the next couple of years? Or do you have anything you're planning for your personal life as well?
1: I guess I should start with children first, right? So we're due this September and our children will be uh, Korean, Thai, with American, wait, Korean, Chinese, with American, Thai passports, um, and maybe I give a shout out to their names, right? So their names are Tevin, like Kevin, mm-hmm. but T E V I N, and Tesan because you know we have to, we had to find a name that works in the four languages: Korean, Thai, English, and Chinese. And so these names Tevin means uh, the brightest light, which is the sun. And Taesan means uh, the tallest mountain, which is, you know, Mount Everest. And so as twin boys, right, they need to work together. And when you climb the tallest mountain, you're close to the brightest light. And that's the idea. And yeah, I think how are we going to educate our children? Well, we want to educate them better than how we were educated, right? It's this idea of like every single next generation, we need to learn from all of the lessons from our families. And we need to constantly innovate and do more, right? It's this idea of like providing them with better opportunities than what we had. Um, So there would be a bit of homeschooling. There would be a lot of extracurricular activities. Uh, We want to give them choice as early as possible. So not so much of like building a very strict schedule and having them do every single thing, but letting them make decisions for themselves. And you know, you can't do that when you're one, right? Or or maybe even two, but once they can start thinking, right, And, and, and having Uh, being able to make some decisions, uh, we also wanna uh, have them do that as well. Of course, we want our children to be a part of the education ecosystems that we're creating, right? Because we believe in our product, we believe in our team. So we would love for our children to do that. That's not the reason why we created education, right? We didn't create it for our kids, but it's more more for the future generations. Um, I think in terms of the future growth, right? We wanna just continue to increase the amount of families, uh, the amount of students uh, and the lives that we touch. Right, so right now we're in Hanoi and Ho Chi Minh City. We definitely have plans to continue to expand in these cities. We have plans to expand in other cities in Vietnam. And then of course in other cities and countries across Southeast Asia. Uh, As an Asian American, right, uh, I remind people that I have an American passport, but I'm Korean. I'm very proud to be Asian and I have a strong sense of identity of what it means to be Asian. And so for me, I've dedicated my life, the rest of my life to do work, to do Uh, to create impact among Asian families. So it doesn't matter if they're Korean or Chinese or Vietnamese or Thai, anywhere in Asia, I think where we can really continue to create these ripples of impact will be. Uh, And so we wanna continue to grow and and become a a well-respected, a trusted education brand among Mm -hmm. families, among the communities uh, that, that we're in.
0: Sau khi được trò chuyện với anh Danny của Point Avenue, điều mà mình thích và ngưỡng mộ nhất chính là ở đây các bạn học viên được quan tâm, rèn luyện và giáo dục dựa trên cả trị nền giá trị nền tảng, học thuật, quân sự, thể chất và quan trọng nhất là nhân cách. Theo như anh Danny nói, những giá trị mà Point Avenue đem lại sẽ giúp học viên có được những thay đổi tích cực cho tương lai. Không phải là sự giáo dục gò bó, khuôn khổ, Point Avenue đã đem đến cho các bạn học viên sự vui vẻ, đồng hành và tự do. Mình nghĩ đây cũng chính là lý do rất nhiều bạn học viên coi Point Avenue như là ngôi nhà thứ hai của mình. Không 21 Station sẽ chào đón câu founder tiếp theo và là nghe câu chuyện của Point Avenue dưới góc nhìn của COO Tommy Nguyễn. Hãy cùng đón nghe tập podcast vào thứ bảy tuần này để cùng mình gặp gỡ vị founder này nhé.